Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is podcast number 31, I guess. I need to quit making reference to the um, to the number. It doesn't really make a difference, but it is, uh, it's Tuesday night. You're on, or actually listening to, the People's Liberty Show. Uh, I should have some guys popping in a little bit later on to give their takes on some things, but... As of right now, it is just yours truly with my thoughts, my awareness, my being, trying to awaken the population to the scientific control grid that is uh, being constructed all around us. And the, the interesting thing is is that now people are willing to listen, and they're starting to rethink government, and they're starting to rethink what they know. Because interestingly enough – when the narrative starts to fall, and Ben Swan and I spent some time talking about narratives, but when the narrative and the facade of government starts to fall, you see governments do insane things, i.e. stage events in order to gain more power or to, to quell the civil unrest of the population, or you see them trot people off to war or a number of things to get distractions going to where you can take the spotlight off of government and move it on to something else to occupy your time. Now, I guess I would be considered a conspiracy, quote, theorist, or as I like to refer to it as alternative theorist, because I don't believe the narrative that's going on. And... I don't believe government's going to save us. I don't believe that the filibuster that's going on currently with with Mr. Cruz is going to save us. It was funny. They actually put up a, um, a ticker down at the bom. One of the longer filibusters was Strom Thurmond filibustering the Civil Rights Act of um, – I can't even remember when they, when they were actually trying to get that passed the first time. He was did a 24-hour filibuster. So – and Strom Thurmond was like a 1,000 years old, and I, I can't remember. I think he was like 90-something the last time he served in South Carolina. And it was the blind allegiance of people like that that have gotten us into the situation that we're in now. And so now we're in a situation where people are starting to understand that the facade of government is not going to be able to solve all of your issues, that maybe it's the banking system to blame or maybe it's the, the banking sector to blame for some of our heartaches. But then in the mainstream media will just shift the burden from, from people like Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan that, you know, according to that memo, openly – held the world hostage and signed them on to derivatives so that they could get everybody into the casino-based system and start manipulating the casino-based system and, and basically at the barrel of a gun force governments 
to sign themselves on to these things. But Brazil didn't sign, and Brazil's talking about breaking away and creating this new internet. And um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of all this. Because there's so many different things going on around the world with... Syria is still an issue. As much as the mainstream media and all of these other things that are going on now with Obamacare make it seem like it's not an issue, it still is a big issue. Oh, and by the way, President uh, Barack Obama declined to meet with the leader of Iran today. That um, He basically said, you know, let's start talking about this. And just like he did with Vladimir Putin, he decided not to meet and discuss anything with him. So we got that going on. Um, another uh, California, I guess, county is looking to secede. Good for you guys. Getting away from the ultra-authoritarian California where they confiscate firearms just because they say that, um, yeah, that you shouldn't own these even though they were legally bought, registered, everything. Just, I mean, Diane Feinstein wants your guns, everybody. And I really wish it was that easy, and I always make things very simple on my on my show, and, and I think that we need to get away from that. I think that we need to all get away from that everything is very simple. It's all black and white, and there's no gray areas. Where the majority of the U.S. government and the, and the majority of the population is going to lie in the gray area. That's why I think the invention of the Libertarian Party is so interesting because it's taking some liberal values and taking some conservative values and then plugging them in and trying to make it work. And it's not going to work. Because the problem at the end of the day are two things. The size of government. We have the largest government in the history of the world currently. And number two... Our system of commerce or banking, both flawed, extremely. And as the system of government has risen up and and taken on all these omnipotent powers because of your indoctrination into the state-run education facilities, where they teach you that this is the only way that it can exist and we have to do these things in order to keep you safe and to keep you guys from basically killing one another. We have to instill rules and we have to have a monopoly of force to enforce those rules. Well, what people are starting to realize is no matter how big the force is or however many rules there are out there, there are these things called criminals. They're individuals in our society that have a little or no empathy, and they really don't care. Frankly, they have no methodology of caring how to interact with society, nor do they care how society's, quote, moral laws apply to them because they're not a moral people. And then you combine that with the obscene amount of psychotropic drugs that people are on, instead of wondering why the United States has an overwhelmingly medicated population, whether it's self-medicated or medicated by a, quote, legal state-run drug like alcohol or something that somebody in a white coat gives you, because that's got to be safe even though it's not heroin, even though it's heroin-based, it's got to be safe. Or excuse me, um... 
wrong wrong verbiage. Excuse me, it's opiate based. Sorry, got a little distracted. So anyway, we are now coming to a point where we're going to have to start making some real decisions, and you're going to have to start really getting in, I guess, people's space and challenging their beliefs. I'm never one to advocate violence. I'm never one to advocate anything like that. I would advocate that you have conversations with people and ask people certain questions. Why would the president say that raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt? Just that we have to pay off what we did last year? Meanwhile, none of the American public, let's say a small majority, probably a lot of my listeners and a lot of people that are awake to the to the um i guess the the shackles of government understand what it takes to pass a budget in this nation now to understand what needs to be done a budget does not need to be passed nor does a budget need to go through a committee it just needs to be submitted and voted upon so for our last 5 years of our nation's history we have yet to have a budget because they present a budget might as well present it on a napkin. But, you know, government doing what government does, they make it in a nice bound presentation that's probably 600 pages. And I would guess 250 of those are absolute fluff and jargon. Or, you never know, in order to give it to people like Feinstein and um, and people like Lindsey Graham – and or maybe even maybe even John McCain, they might have some images in there of I don't know a cat in a hat or something like that to keep them entertained, and maybe in, in John McCain's case they could slip some poker odds in there so that he could do some calculations the next time that you know we're talking about going to war with a nation he's figuring out if he's going to check raise the guy at the other end of the table from him. In case you guys missed that, John McCain was caught during the meeting playing video poker, which I don't blame him. I'm sure those meetings are very boring because he's already got his mind made up of what he wants to do. I want to go to war with Iran. Wait, I thought we were mad at Syria. It doesn't matter. It's just one of those Arab countries. It, who cares? Lindsey Graham jumped on that bandwagon. Yep. With time for negotiations with Iran are over. Oh my God, really? And then the president of Iran extends his hand out to President Barack Obama and says, hey, let's have a chat about this. Uh, you know what? Uh, Lindsey Graham told me the time for conversation with you is over, so I think we're going to have to just keep it right there. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are seven days away from the biggest cluster you-know-what, and it starts with an F and, and sounds like a duck, that you have ever seen in your entire life. They're talking about pushing back the the Obamacare, um, I guess, exchanges because none of them are ready. This thing is the biggest goat rope you're ever going to see. And I hope, I really do hope, that we could come out with a common sense legislation. And you know what the common sense legislation would be for me? The ability to opt out of this garbage. The ability to say, I trust the government to give me health care and to provide me the best possible care because governments have never killed anybody in their entire life, especially their own people. They have never done that. Governments have always just taken care 
of the sick and the tired. They've never done any government testing on them. They've never, you know, crop dusted an entire city of St. Louis with some poison stuff. They've never done anything like that. They should be in it for my best interest. Because they're not a gang up there in Washington, D.C., trying to take all of your money and sit there and perch way high in the tree and parrot down stupid narratives to the mainstream media, which then just takes it and imprints it into their teleprompter like it's freaking news. No, government's really there to love you. Now, see, the founding fathers of this nation understood how dangerous government can be, and it's so amazing to see the transformation of what government is now as opposed to what they believed that it could be. They understood the danger in government. Remember, it is a fearful, fearful servant. I have to look that up. The George Washington quote. I do not want it. It's like fire. It's a fearful servant and a dangerous master, or something like that. But anyway. I was I was reading a government document before I came on air, and I guess that's why I'm so scrambled. You know, I've read Carol Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope, and and it just really gets to me sometimes. And then I try to pop out of this whole conspiratorial mindset to think that, you know, maybe maybe these guys aren't really that bad. And maybe they do think that they're trying to do this for our own good. And maybe, you know, maybe this is something good. And then I fall back into this this um this document and it's called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. And I haven't read all of it yet. I'm about I'm on page sixteen of forty four, but it just makes my head hurt again. Talking about how the Rothschild family found out a long time ago, and I'm sure that they shared it with the Rockefellers because now they've combined their fortunes or whatever to make the ultimate monstrosity. I don't know. But they found out that that commerce typically adheres to the same laws that energy would adhere to. So they take all these energy laws and they basically apply it to economics and they also apply it to how economies can be command and controlled. And that's the one thing that we do need to talk about. We are slowly shifting towards a command and controlled economy from the governmental standpoint. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the danger 100%. It is not al-Qaeda. It is not the Wahhabists. It's not the radical sect it's 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 not china it's not russia it is government having control over necessities aka communism we've seen this song and dance before now i understand how people are going to talk about well the healthcare in you know england is completely different and everybody's happy listen the english and the british just as brainwashed as the American population. Now, it doesn't mean that there are not a bunch of smart people over there that understand what's going on, but just understand the way that the system is going to work, that you don't get to go to your personal physician until you go see the government person first. And let me tell you, if it's anything like the DMV, you are not going to get in to see the government doctor for a couple of weeks. And heaven help you, if you got a nasty infection, well, life just sucks. So we're running into a very big quagmire with Obamacare. If it's a giant cluster, 
the Democrats are going to say, stay with it, stay with the plan, it'll all work out. The Republicans, of course, are going to say, you know, bail out from the ship. But what do we really do? What do we really do, America? We've got some really big issues here in our nation. Number one, illegal immigration is a huge issue. Now, do I believe that the 14th Amendment should be set in stone? I don't know. That's pretty That's pretty wild to me that you can have two illegals come over, the border, have a baby, the baby's a citizen. I understand the philosophy behind that, but then again, the founding fathers didn't understand that we were going to have 330 million people living in this nation and that we were going to be one of the most prosperous and that we were going to have all of these nations around us with a lot of challenges. Set forth by our government running drugs and guns into Mexico, and now it's coming out that – that yeah, maybe Mexico might be um the entire like the largest I guess drug cartel in the entire world. The Mexican government itself. So I don't know. None of this has been confirmed, all speculation at this point, but it would not surprise me. I mean heck, our government's been caught, you know, running drugs into America. That's happened before. It's not like it's out of the realm of possibility. So then we have the other conundrum altogether. So we have illegal immigrants. And then we have the drug issue. Now let's move to what drugs are. Well, illegal drugs, drugs deemed illegal by the state, you know, elected officials or whatever you want to call them. Illegal drugs are a very slippery slope. Number one, because let's find out how these drugs became illegal in the first place. That's that was my obviously that was my intent when I when I found out that you know marijuana was illegal and I'd tried it before. I'm like, this is no worse than alcohol. If anything, it's a little bit better than alcohol because I don't have loss of my motor skills. But anyway, side issue. You look and research how these things came about. The prohibition of marijuana is absolutely ridiculous. The prohibition of alcohol was kind of warranted, but then again, what happened? You created a black market. You created violence out of it because people wanted to sell on the black market and up the prices up. And then there was no quality control, and people started you know, mixing it with ether and all kinds of whole, and they were drinking alcohol that was mixed with a whole bunch of different things in order to cut down the alcohol content in order to keep the price high and keep their margins at a specific level. So you run into the economic challenge, the social the social challenge of that, the social challenge of drugs in general, and now let's talk about the social challenge of psychotropics. Ladies and gentlemen, we are entering an epidemic here in America where almost everybody is on something. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And what really baffles me is that you have people that are on psychotropics that it works. It helps it helps level them out. It whatever that imbalance is at that specific time in their life, it has helped them smooth that out. And other people, it makes them go even more crazy. So it's once again, there is no clear cut answer to our issues. But one of the one of the beginning stages of finding the answers to these questions is starting the dialogue. And it's not starting the dialogue with people that already have been participating in the dialogue. It is starting the dialogue with people that are new to it, the people that you can tell that want to ask questions, that are wondering what's going on, the people that are wondering what happened. What happened to America? I hear that a lot now. What country did I end up in? Well, 
if you don't watch the watchers, if you don't watch the people writing the laws, if you don't stand over and make sure that everybody's doing their due diligence and that nobody's removing Glass-Steagall so you don't turn in the entire financial sector into a casino and all of these things, then people are going to run amok. Especially rich and powerful people. Once again, do I believe in the overall conspiracy? I don't know. But at the end of the day, all I do know is that rich and powerful people want to do rich and powerful things. That's it. Whether it means, you know, hacking up a baby, whether it means, you know, going and, and having relations with somebody that's not your wife, or whether it's just screwing a bunch of people and getting off on it because they were too stupid to see what was going on, that's some rich and powerful stuff. And that's what rich and powerful people do. So with Obamacare coming in seven days, the giant cluster you-know-what is upon us. And how we react as a society and how we interface with the fellow human beings that are wondering what's going on is going to determine, is going to determine how we get out of this mess. Do I think that we should you know, defund Obamacare? I think that it needs to be completely removed. If we're going to do this, if you really do want social change, America, you don't do it by having somebody come out and say, well, we got to pass the bill before we find out what is in it. And then the original Obamacare bill dies on the shelf a couple of times, and then they've got this watered-down version that doesn't really do anything. If anything, it just raises premiums for everybody and gives everybody the facade that they're going to get care. But it's not the original Obamacare that he actually wanted to implement. So if you want to do this, if this is what America really wants… Then write your constituents, but guess what? Or write your senators, write your congresspeople. But guess what's happening? People are writing their senators and their congresspeople, telling them that we need to not do this. The people that are sitting in the payroll tax, and believe me, I talk to these people on a day-to-day -day basis. I talk to business owners, talk to people in payroll, and they say the payroll taxes are killing them. Everything taxes in general are killing them. No, actually, people, what's killing you is the private Federal Reserve. That unfortunately, is what's killing you. It is the $16.7 trillion elephant in the room that nobody wants to address because central banking has been around for so long and then the entire world's based on it and we can't do anything about it now because it would cropple everything. Well, here's news for you. If you keep printing money till the cows come home, it's going to do the exact same thing. So what do we want? Do we want the Band-Aid where we rip it off, or do we want to peel it back you know, day by day, inch by inch, moment by moment, as we watch our currency get rapidly inflated, which hasn't happened yet, kind of has, but it's in, in the consumer market, so you don't really see it as well, because it's hidden in, number one, the price of goods, number two, the quantity of goods that you're getting, as you've noticed – um, almost every little bag of coffee now that looks like it's quote-unquote on sale is 12 ounces, as opposed to the 14 or 16 ounces that it used to be about six months ago. Similar packaging, put a little bit more air in it, a little bit less product, and there you go. And then you sell it at a little bit of a discount, and it gives the American people the facade that they're actually saving money when in doubt they're just not able to buy as much with their product, with their with their currency. So I was asked this weekend, what is the solution? 
What is the solution to all of the the central banking woes? And I really wish I had one. I wish I had the silver bullet. I really do. Agorism is one of the ways that we can opt out of the system. Opt out of the system, not opt out, like an op-ed. Agorism is a way that you can opt out of the system. Informing people of the private Federal Reserve and how it works is another way that you can help. Because believe me, when it comes time for the United States currency to start crumbling down, they're going to pull out every trick in the book to take you to war. To take you to war, whether it's domestically, whether it's over somewhere else, it won't matter. It will not matter. They will need the ultimate distraction by then. And hopefully when my friend comes on here in a little bit, we're going to talk about the technocracy and about Google and what Google was set up for. Google was not set up so that you and your buddies could go and do Google Hangout. Not what Google was set up for. Google and the World Wide Web was in fact that. It was a web to catch all of your data so that they can use the data, manipulating the data through algorithms to try to predict future movements, future events, and to game in the marketplace. That is all that it is. Facebook, the exact same thing. Tracking people's purchasing habits, tracking your where you go, what you do on a daily basis, how how risk averse you are in your investments, how you know how um, I guess superstitious you would be about certain things, and they track and trace everything. The NSA was for that. This is so much bigger than government, and once you can get to the point where you understand that that government is just an entity of control. Now, some are going to argue that we need that entity of control, and I would say yes, but not even um, – I guess I'm a minarchist, so I'm going to make all my anarchist friends mad at me, but you know, we can have a, a philosophical debate. I do have some still some status tendencies, but they're slowly going away. But in order to secure freedom, not liberty, because I, I said liberty a, a lot, and then I get myself into this um, philosophical debate of what – what liberty is, and liberty is basically freedom with, you know, freedom with permission. You know, with the permission of the government, I have freedom. Where true freedom would be anarchism. That's why it's so demonized everywhere. It's like, oh, the anarchists are, they're they're violent, and they're they're extremists, and well, I guess if if you're a, a, a state loving, you know, prostitute, then absolutely that that anarchists would be dangerous to you because. We would want to take away your state-run job because we believe that the private sector would be able to run it better. So remember the original debates in America, guys. Remember what the original debates were. The original debates even revolved around should we even have a president. And we're starting to see why Patrick Henry and some others didn't believe that we should have those. Because it can always turn into a kingship, which is what... It is slowly becoming through executive orders, executive privileges, and executive exemptions. Now, with that being said, I'm going to go to this clip from Ben Swan. He just released a new video. Uh, it's, a, it's about eight minutes long, so enjoy it, everybody. I'm going to come back on the backside, but it's talking about the exemptions for the Obama, I guess, minions of the system. 
Now, a lot of people are exempt from Obamacare, so let's listen in to what this report from Ben Swan says, and then I will catch you guys on the backside. Thank you for listening, everybody. Remember, tune in every Tuesday and Thursday night. I am trying to be here as much as I can be to once again stoke the mind of the people. Remember, this is not an information show. I'm not telling you how to think or what to feel, but I'm telling you my thoughts on the world. I'm giving you the documents. I have the documents. I'm not like Alex Jones. I have the documents. I'm giving you the documents that I'm referencing to make my assumptions and make my judgments of what the world is. It is up to you to form your own opinion, not parrot anybody else's opinion, because that just makes you a sheep. Enjoy, everybody. It is called the Federal Data Hub. Massive amounts of information gathered on every American and shared between government agencies. Agencies ranging from the IRS to the Department of Defense, Homeland Security, and Health and Human Services. The best part here, there is no opting out. So who has access to all this information? And the bigger question, does private information even exist anymore? The first step toward truth is to be informed. There is, as we speak, an army of new federal government employees being hired by the Department of Health and Human Services. So why does HHS need all these new employees? Well, the answer is pretty simple. The massive new health care law, the Affordable Care Act, is behind schedule, and the feds need to start signing up Americans for health care exchanges as quickly as possible. So what kind of information is going to be collected? Well, when individuals sign up for federal insurance exchanges, they're required to enter their personal information into the new federal data hub. We're talking about information like medical records, social security numbers, tax information, even bank account information. Now, this is done by allowing seven different government agencies, including the IRS, Department of Justice, Social Security Administration, and others, to share and verify information in order to determine eligibility for an insurance subsidy. In short, basically everything about you will be shared among multiple agencies. But remember, no actual agency can see or access any information. People working in those agencies do. So who specifically will be able to access this information? They are called navigators, men and women who are being hired to work for between $20 and $48 per hour. Sounds like specialized work that would require highly trained individuals. Yeah, not so much. Because the requirements to become one of these navigators do not even include a high school diploma. And even though these navigators will have access to just about every piece of personal information on millions of Americans enrolled in the exchange, they are not even required to pass a background check. That is what the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform has been told by HHS. Navigators will only have to take a 20 to 30 hour online course about how the 1,200-page ACA works. That's right, just an online course. Now, interesting, there is another role these navigators have that deserves a mention. There's more to the role of the navigators than just signing Americans up for the healthcare exchange. Navigators will also be responsible for registering Americans to vote. According to People's World magazine in California, California Secretary of State Deborah Bowen is designating the state's new health benefit exchange, Covered California, 
as a voter registration agency under the National Voter Registration Act. Well, that means Cover California will be incorporating voter registration into every transaction, online, in person, and by phone. So to be clear, these navigators will have access to every bit of your personal and financial information. Federal employees who haven't even been given so much as a background check. Of course, HHS says you have nothing to worry about. Marilyn Tavener is the head of HHS's Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. She testified before Congress saying this, quote, I want to assure you and all Americans that when they fill out their health insurance marketplace applications, they can trust the information they're providing is protected. But how would any American know that? Even if there were background checks, how can Americans trust that a federal data hub that involves the gathering and consolidation of so much information not be attacked by hackers or compromised by those inside the departments? We don't know what will happen, but we do have evidence of how some other expansive government agencies with even less intrusion into your life are functioning. An audit by the Government Accountability Office of the TSA, or the Transportation Security Administration, points out major problems in that agency, including TSA agents accused of taking bribes from drug traffickers in Los Angeles, or 56 cases alleging theft since 2010, including a 2011 incident involving a screener at the Orlando International Airport who pleaded guilty to stealing more than 80 laptops and other electronic devices valued at $80,000. There were 426 cases of neglect of duty, 384 cases of ethical violations like bribery or credit card abuse. And then there are the agents who were caught sleeping on the job. But the biggest problem here isn't even the behavior of those agents. According to the GAO, half of the workers accused of sleeping on the job received less than the lowest penalty called for by agency policies. In all, the GAO found over 9,600 cases of misconduct in an agency that only has the power to allow you to get on an airplane. What you need to know is that when it comes to the National Data Hub, there is a bigger question here than just one of whether or not HHS navigators might be overstepping their role by registering voters with this personal information. A bigger question of whether or not the information compiled in the Data Hub is susceptible to fraud or corrupt workers. The most important question, does personal or private information exist anymore? Well, chances are the feds would say no. After all, we know the NSA believes they have the right to read your emails and listen to your phone calls. So why wouldn't they have the right to any and all of your private information, even your banking information? The federal apparatus that is nearly complete is telling you that you don't have the right to withhold anything about yourself and your life from government. But that simply not true. The rights to privacy are all but gone in America today, but consider this. You do not belong to the state. Your money, your business, your private correspondence, and your conversations, your identity belongs to you and to you alone. Those in power know it, but the population has forgotten it. It's time that we remember. So there it goes, everybody. Man, that's some crazy stuff, isn't it? You don't even have to get a high school degree and you'll have access to all this information. This is just going to be the giant goat rope of the century. And then, like I said, everybody, be ready for the the Democrats to 
and I don't like playing party politics, but I mean it is what it is. The Democrats are going to say that, oh, we just got to give it more time, and you know we'll just it's it's obviously going to have some kinks in it. You know I'm so glad that we passed the bill, so now we know what's in it, Nancy Pelosi. But but now we're in a um, a grudge match, um, I guess for for our lives, because there is no way that once this law gets enacted that we can repeal it. I just don't feel that that's going to be possible. Because the the pressure from the people without health insurance will outweigh, and they'll be able to get all of those people to the polls, which is kind of weird that he said they're going to be registering you to vote, too. Because those are the people they're going to need to go to the polls and vote for this kind of stuff. So slowly we are turning into an interesting morph of the absolute worst that you could ever get. We're getting the worst of Soviet Russia, which would be the um, spying on your own citizenry, um, indefinite detention of your own citizenry. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, arresting political dissidents from your own um, from your own country. And yeah, and then acting like everything's okay. So it's just um it's absolutely bonkers. And then we get the the goodness of the the EU and Europe where it says you know we're going to we're going to nationalize healthcare and that'll make everything better. And we're you know don't worry the fact that you got to go wait for a month and a half to see a doctor. I mean, heaven forbid you blow your knee out or something like that. You'll have to go see the government doctor first and then they'll figure out what kind of care you deserve by performing some kind of a quadratic equation, I am so sure. So, And um, it looks like the mood of the show is about to change because now I can jump off the Obamacare thing, even though I do have a couple of things that I do want to touch about what's going on over in Spain and in other European countries. When they start having economic challenges, guess what they start cutting? They start cutting health care. Isn't that exciting? And um, joining me right now is um, my friend Josh from, I guess you're from the Journalistic Revolution now. Is that correct, Josh? Uh, I guess that's the case now. Uh, sorry right. sorry for uh, for taking a little bit longer than expected to get on the line here. That's that's all right, man. I was actually calling you during the, um, the Ben Swan um, little report that I ran talking about how the, the Obama – investigators are going to be, you know, having privy to all this information and they don't even need uh, background checks or anything. They're just going to be everything's going to be fine, dude. This is going to be oh, no. this is this is going to go off without a hitch. I I have, you know, very good very good feelings about what's going to help and open um or excuse me, what's going to happen next uh next week when they open these exchanges. So um so thanks it's for coming brave on, man. New what's world order. Oh, absolutely, man. And gosh, <laughs> it just it, it aggravates me because you know the like you and I were um I, w- I was telling everybody that I was reading that document that that uh, you and I were talking about before and talking about the technocracy and and what it's what it's for and I guess kind of <clears throat> haphazardly I covered um on my show last week the 2045 transhumanist agenda and about how we're all everything's going to be fine Josh we're just going to be implanted into the um into the hive mind and they're just going to start, you know, making, um, um, uh, let's see, animatronic um, body parts and organs. So everything's going to be fine. We'll we'll be okay. I, 
I, for one, fully welcome our Technotronic overlords, uh, and I'm very happy about the opportunity to become a cyborg. So, you know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you. Yeah, because you know you're not going to lose <laughs> your soul or anything because that's you know that's your spirit. Oh, no, I'd, I'd be part of your very flesh. I mean, that's soul. just going to go with you. It, it's fine. They've got it all worked out. No, yeah, IBM will take very good care of my soul. They'll have it uploaded to like a five terabyte flash drive. It'll be sweet. <laughs> it's so sick and crazy. I think that's that's about how how large a soul is, don't you think? Like five terabytes, we can squeeze it in there. I don't know. I mean, if you're talking about Henry Kissinger's, you'd probably be able to fit that on like an eight meg flash drive. Oh my goodness, he's had his backed up since like 1987. He still keeps the floppy disk and the and the drive reader like under his bed. <laughs> you still got like two kilobytes of data on there. Henry, your soul is evil. What? Oh man, that's too bad. All right, who are we blowing up this week? I gotta make some progress. I want to attack Syria. <laughs> you're a disgusting animal. I oh, love it when Luke Radowski confronted him and he's like, you're disgusting. Meanwhile, he's got like food particles all over his face and it's like all over his shirt. Like, all right, you're a very dude. sick person. Uh, the classic. <laughs> Haven't seen a mirror lately, have you? So, oh, yeah, as I was, um, I guess the first half of the show, I, I was going over Obamacare and how big of a dud that was going to be. And I do have some articles here to support what what's going to happen and why. And I also tried to stress to the people that we need to start having conversations with people that want to know what's going on about the private Federal Reserve. They're doing and, you know, segueing into the Technotronic Super overlords that that came here just to keep us safe. Everybody, you know, they're not looking to harness you as energy or anything like that. I promise. I promise. The, promise the system they set up is not a wage slave system where you're just a serf for the rest of your life. I promise that. That's why you pay property taxes and you never really own your land. You either pay, you know, your rent to your landlord or you pay rent to the government. So or to the central bank. So every, you know, everything's fine. It, it's it, and they're not. Buying water and, and and finding every aquifer they can on the planet, so everything's good. Everything's fine. They're not they're not storing seed vaults. I will say on on the the topic of Obamacare quickly mm-hmm. for all mm-hmm. people who may be listening to this show right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Surgical care is probably going to be the the hardest thing to come by. Like you like you had said previously, you know, if you get a knee blown out or you have a broken bone. Uh, you know, you're probably going to have to learn how to set these injuries yourself to a certain extent. Uh, mm-hmm. Get a good naturopath. Learn how mm-hmm. herbs and, and uh, traditional medicines of old work uh, so you can treat yourself uh, or at least have someone qualified to treat you that's, that's kind of out of this, uh, this new uh, structure that's about to be implemented. Mm-hmm. And uh, simply mass noncompliance is really the, o- the only option that a lot of America is going to have with this, uh, with this bill. But. I mean, what's really going to happen? I mean, what do you think happens in seven days when they open up these exchanges and everybody sees how big of a cluster it is? What do you think? The, here, let's see if we can do some predicting. And it's funny. I think I just lost one guy in the chat room since we started talking about the New World Order. But it's all right, man. You'll find <laughs> out soon enough. Everything's fine. You'll be you'll be just peaches and cream. It'll be great. So, um, oh, poor guy. What do you, it's it's fine. He might have just left the chat room. He's probably still listening. So didn't mean to bash you. I mean, obviously, I'm not chatting right now, but... Um, what do you think is going to happen in seven days, man? Oh, my goodness. I don't even know. Uh, based on what is being implemented in seven days, it 
shouldn't be, uh, I guess, the total uh, economic and societal chaos that a lot of people mm-hmm. are predicting, although I think that that will come down the road, certainly at the beginning of 2014, when the vast uh, majority of this starts to get implemented. But I've seen Obamacare, as I'm sure you have, and a lot of our listeners mm-hmm. probably have, uh, since the beginning as really the last, one of the final steps in this Fabian plan, uh, not only to create the uh, uh, an, an eternal welfare state, but people really need to understand that the the worst parts of Obamacare are that it grants uh, it, it's essentially uh, not a it's not a nationalized uh, healthcare insurance plan like so many people have billed it as. Mm-hmm. It's essentially mm-hmm. uh, a, a law that forces you to get health insurance. Uh, so, and then so, they call it a tax, so it's okay. You can do that. Exactly. So it, it's it's like car insurance, uh, the car insurance model uh, being mm-hmm. forced in, in, into healthcare. And mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I mean, certainly, I think the the overreaching aspects of this are going to be decreased care. Certainly, over the over the next two or three years, we're probably going to see uh, a, a lot of chaos within the medical system itself. What as as far as what will happen in seven days. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure, but it'll be certainly uh, it'll certainly be an interesting fiasco to watch. Yeah, and and there are portions of the population that are waking up. I saw a Gallup poll today that said that, um, and I've actually got it pulled up. It said Americans believe that government is too powerful, is at a record level, and it says six in ten Americans believe that the federal government has too much power, and the other four are brain dead. But oh, I, the, I, oh, that was my own. That was my own admission right there. Excuse me. One <laughs> percent. I mean, point above the highest previous high, which was September of 2010. Isn't that amazing? September of 2010. Huh. What happened in November of 2010? Huh. Oh my goodness. That's interesting. Oh, anyway, this is no. This is. This is just so crazy. This is just so I, crazy. This is right before like this is right before midterm elections and everything that everybody's like, "Oh, you know, government's at a at a record high, so let's let's get a bunch of right-wingers in there and see what they can do." And then half of them stab the American people in the back and then either that or they get bought off by the special interests that, "Oh, I'll never let the special interests bother me." And then when they get up there like, "Oh my god, like everybody's on the take? Even you? Even you're on the take?" Oh, Jesus. Yeah, well, so Jake, unfortunately Unfortunately, not enough Americans are aware of of the literature that that people like you and I are aware of, books like Tragedy Mm -hmm. and Hope, documents, Mm -hmm. uh, whether you question the veracity of them or not, or or their legitimacy, uh, some of the the aspects of silent weapons for quiet wars, which is Mm -hmm. a supposedly elite elite NASA document, I believe. Um, Um, Yeah, here, I got it pulled up right here, but go ahead. I'll I'll look and see who co-hopped with this. Yeah, the the over the overarching point I'd I'd like to 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 make I guess is that this the left right paradigm in and of itself is obviously a way uh, to pit two sides against one another to feel like the public's grievances have been aired uh, and really achieve no progress in, in the end. So until we kind of transcend those those kind of boundaries, uh, be it politically or or otherwise, I'm obviously I guess a proponent of the otherwise as a, as as more of an anarchist than. A, than than a a member of the political establishment, but it's it's certainly time for that dialogue. Although, although I do find it very uh, encouraging that America has not really lost its spirit of individualism. We see mm-hmm. a lot of these same crises going on in Europe, and what mm-hmm. these people are they're going to the streets. Certainly, they're rioting mm-hmm. in many instances, but they're asking mm-hmm. for more intervention from the same mm-hmm. people that caused the problem. And in America, we are uh, 
uh, starting to realize that that tyrants run our life and and we shouldn't outsource our critical thinking or our ability to govern ourselves to people uh thousands of miles away in some instances in Washington. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting that you brought that up. It was um the article one of the articles I have from France 24 was pulled up and it says Spanish healthcare suffering devastating cuts. And this is one of the challenges that when you turn over such a such a large portion of of healthcare to a, a corporate government Borg system, when they start making cuts to it, of course they're not going to they're just gonna say that, oh, we need to make cuts because we have austerity measures, so everything across the board gets cut, including your health care. Oh, you broke your leg, that sucks. Here's a cane. Good luck to you. And and this is one of the big this is one of the big reasons that I would never be a a proponent of nationalized healthcare because it does put it in the hands of the quote unquote elected officials to raise and lower the budgets for this. And and I think that the free market has handled this just fine over the last uh I don't know, 100 years since we've been in existence under the Federal Reserve System. I think the free market has handled it just fine. But now we're going to add another player to the game. And as we all know, everything gets so much better when government gets involved. I mean, it just does. Uh, But of course. But I mean, I think it's really important to realize that pharmacopoeia in and of itself, the medical industrial complex as it's become, it literally Mm -hmm. has become. Uh, a, a, a money-making scheme in and of itself. I would ask yep. people to look to look up the people that are that are providing you medicine. Uh, there there was a scandal back in 2011 where Tylenol uh, was caught putting cyanide, which is a Pfizer company or a Pfizer-based uh, drug. You know, m- mm-hmm. millions of Americans take it a day. Uh, mm-hmm. Bayer Bayer, which is obviously was a subsidiary of IG Farben, uh, mm-hmm. a, a former Nazi corporation. It was caught uh, selling. AIDS tainted vaccines, not only in America, but after they got caught, uh, the FDA essentially said, well, you can't sell it here, but we don't mind if you sell it in France, in China, in Japan, and in South Korea. That was the factor, uh, you know, that was the factor eight conspiracy, right? Uh, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, so at the end of the day, th- this, this complex truly is a, an industry, uh, a self-perpetuating industry in and of itself. So what Obamacare is really saying, or any socialized Medicare system is saying to their populace is that we the the corporate over overlords who are mm-hmm. in bed with these with these government institutions we now no longer want to even provide you the poison that we were providing you because that's even too expensive for us we would much rather get you in get you out of the door uh with with a very base level of care with a base level of 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 poisons that that we can comfortably provide to the masses uh, so I think I think streamlined healthcare is is going to be the one thing that we see overwhelmingly, much like we're now seeing with Common Core uh, in, mm-hmm. in terms of education. It's going to be a one size fits all uh, prescription for 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 everything going forward in America. And it's funny I was listening to um, in case you guys did not catch it, probably one of the greatest Joe Rogan um, experiences that he's ever run. He interviewed Stefan Molyneux. And I'm only about halfway through it. Yeah, it is fascinating to hear those two talk because, you know, Joe Rogan is slowly becoming, I guess, one of the – I guess he would be an off-stream media person that people trust for a a various number of reasons because his comedy has always been pointing out the silliness that is government and other, you know, institutions and – 
and and how you know humans think that they can control things and then and then it's all always a big facade that it's never quite what it seems and just hearing them have the conversation of what's really going on in society and and you know Stefan Molyneux is of of the um uh, of the mindset that the elites aren't that um I guess he believes that they're not that crafty which you and I have had this discussion before I think that the old elites were and I think that the newer versions are just they just don't have the skill set to to we, handle we live in an we yeah, live in ahead. an idiocracy-esque future sure but absolutely but continue continue with your with your thesis no what he what they were saying was that a lot of this has to do with how we and and you know this I mean studying if you understand the Prussian model of education and and how that really you know God, we're getting in some deep stuff. So, sorry guys, we're going way down the rabbit hole tonight. Maybe we'll come out the other side, but um this is definitely going to be a fun show. But if you look at the Prussian model of education, how they get the get kids in front of the quote-unquote authority figure for so long and condition them for so long. Stefan Molyneux talked about in the in the brief uh half hour that I listened to it about how if you drop your kid off at daycare, it's been proven scientifically that even 20 hours a week of daycare away from the parents chemically changes the makeup of the child. So I wonder how long they've known about this and they've known about you know, what what the state can do psychologically to somebody to go ahead and precondition them to accept the role of authority and then by using classical conditioning and skinner traits of, you know, um, conditioned reinforce or excuse me, scheduled reinforcement and non-scheduled reinforcement with diplomas and, and trinkets and things of that nature. And if you're looking at the military, it's going to be medals and ribbons. So taking all that into effect, I wonder how long the elite have known about this and if this is really a strategic gamed out war gamed plan or have they just bought off or bit off more than they can chew and they've dumbed society down too much to where society is not receptive to the propaganda what would you say well i was actually just kind of discussing this earlier with my dad uh, him sitting uh, outside of this room, uh, being frustrated uh, with advertising on television, uh, and he's someone who's kind of cued into into some of these themes. And he says, you know, like uh, these ads. I, I remember the jingle, I guess. I remember the adver- the content of the advertisement, but I never remember what it's for anymore. Hold on one second. So- Hold on. Let's uh, before you jump into that, let's go to break real quick here, and because um, I do have to, I have to put in a pause. So let's go to break really quick. Uh, we'll be back in three minutes. I got a a nice little song for everybody. Enjoy this song and really do listen to the lyrics because it rings true and then we'll pick it up with Josh on the backside. Sorry to cut you off, Josh. There ain't no reason things are this way It's how they always been and they intend to stay I can't explain why we this way, we do it every day. Breezes on the podium, speaking the saints. Prophets on the sidewalk, begging for change. Old ladies laughing from the fire escape, cursing my name. I got a basket full of lemons and they all taste the same. A window in a pigeon with a broken wing. 
You can spend your whole life working for something just to have it taken away. People walk around pushing back their debts, wearing paychecks like necklaces and bracelets, talking about nothing, not thinking about death. Every little heartbeat, every little breath. People walk a tightrope on a razor's edge, carrying that hurt and hatred and weapons. It could be a bomb or a bullet or a pen or a thought or a word or a sentence. There ain't no reason things are this way. It's how they always been and they intend to stay. I don't know why I say the things I say, but I say them anyway. The love will come set me free. Love will come set me free. I do. Love will come set me free I know it will Love will come set me free Yes Prison walls still standing tall Some things never change at all Keep on building prisons Gonna fill them all Keep on building bombs Gonna drop them all Working your fingers bare to the bone Breaking your back, make you sell your soul Like a lung, it's filled with cold Suffocating slow The wind blows wild and I may move But politicians lie and I am not fooled You don't need no razor or a three-piece suit To argue the truth The air on my skin and the world under my toes Slavery stitched to the fabric of my clothes Chaos and commotion wherever I go Love I try to follow Love will come set me free Love will come set me free I do believe Love will come set me free I know it will Love will come set me free All right, that was Brett Denon, everybody. Sorry for the commercial break. But uh, anyway, we were back with Josh. So, um, Josh, continue. You were about to get into it. So, Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I, I was just going to say, uh, I guess quickly wrapping up before before I get into to what I was going to say primarily, uh, mm-hmm. on your, your point about Stefan Molyneux, who I think is, uh, is a fabulous uh, researcher, is a wonderful proponent of uh, anarcho-capitalism, which I uh, tend to be ideologically sympathetic to. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're correct in stating, and by his own admission, he's not a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist. Uh, mm-hmm. Stefan Molyneux uh, is an individual who uh, who doesn't, uh, I, I guess, overtly question uh, the, uh, the, uh, the the official story of September the 11th, which is something mm-hmm. that I, I take a lot of bone, uh, I take a lot of issues with with him. Because if there were one thing that that two things I could send Stefan Molyneux, it would be uh, concentrated hash oil for his lymphatic cancer. And mm-hmm. uh, a copy of Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley, um, <laughs> but uh, he's he's certainly he's certainly a fascinating figure. But but you touched earlier on the on the Prussian system of education, uh, mm-hmm. which 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 is a fascinating topic. 
And mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to read really quickly a quote by one of my favorite authors, uh, John Taylor Gatto. You're um, not allowed to be informed on this broadcast. <laughs> so I, I'm sure you've probably informed uh, your listeners of John Taylor Gatto before. But in case that uh, they're not already aware, John Taylor Gatto was a was a teacher in New York City. Uh, he taught in uh, Harlem, uh, in some of the worst neighborhoods in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was awarded the uh, uh, the Teacher of the Year on the city and state level, and mm-hmm. resigned, I believe, in 1992 on, on in an op-ed on the Wall Street Journal, um, which is a fascinating read in and of itself. But a quick quote from him: He was is uh, again a very famous teacher, but he says. Children learn what they live. Put kids in a class, and they will live out their lives in an invisible cage, isolated from their chance at community. Interrupt kids with bells and horns all the time, and they will learn that nothing is important or worth finishing. Ridicule them, and they will retreat from human association. Shame them, and they will find a hundred ways to get even. The habits taught in large-scale organizations are deadly. And uh, obviously, there's a, there's a there's a long lineage and a history of this uh, going back at least to to the early 1800s with the with the mm-hmm. uh, the foundation of of the Prussian system of education and kindergarten. Obviously, yep. when psychologists trying, like trying to get Skinner, people to die for the state and not even question why they were dying for the state. Well, well, but what what made that such an easy sell to the public, in my opinion, I think, would be the work of Wilhelm Wundt. Who came mm-hmm. out and, re- and 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 said, "Man has no soul. Man is a stimulus response yeah. animal." So mm-hmm. everything that comes after that, the work of Pavlov, the work of Skinner, this sort of sure. behaviorism, it mm-hmm. is directly implemented simply because man is a stimulus response animal, supposedly, supposedly. But uh, thanks to broadcasts like this, we can put, I guess, a little bit of thinking in between the stimulus response, so we right. might not respond the way that they expect us to. Right, and that's what I, I I said on my show last week. I think that the the most liberating experience you can have is your own free thought, your own not conjured up by somebody else, not a you know not a couple of talking points that you put together, but your own discernment and taking what you've experienced in life and applying that to your life and saying, this is what I believe because this is all that I can see. And I think that we do put a lot of, you know, we do put a lot of stock into research and and things that we read, but the more the older I get the the more I realize that life is or the my perception of life is all about the experiences I've had, the encounters that I've had and the relationships I've forged. So when you look at how the American system has slowly changed, I think that that's where the American people are starting to struggle. The relationships between people are changing. And meaning that communication is different, like the way that the way that Josh and I are communicating now, we couldn't have done that 10 years ago, which is great. But it's also an avenue that a lot of people are taking rather than doing person to person exchanges as far as, you know, person to person having an intellectual conversation or a debate. Now, here's a question for you, man. I know that you you and I both take the same, I guess, fire and go out and try to, you know, have conversations with people or at least challenge the narrative. What do you see happening? Do you see people um, coming to you and asking you more questions now than they did before, or is it about the same that people are still standoffish? Well, I guess I have a, a little bit more of a unique perspective on this. Uh, not only being sure. a younger guy, I'm I'm, I'm 21, but mm-hmm. I was also. I was also uh when I when I did attend the University of Michigan I dropped out at the beginning of my junior year uh mm-hmm. I was a member of of a secret society in fact mm-hmm. uh, a, 
America's again, oldest. going way down the rabbit hole, everybody. Get ready. We're coming out the other side at the end of the show, I promise you. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so I, I'd, I would like to say to our listeners and or your listeners, uh, when when I talk about this kind of stuff, I talk about it from a level of experience that uh, may, may be, I guess, a little bit more direct than a lot of people are aware of. Uh, mm-hmm. I certainly, I certainly can, can can say that secret societies most certainly exist. Uh, there, there are certainly uh, houses with false walls that you have to play piano keys on to get into secret rooms uh, with with old ancient garbs and and swords and knighting ceremonies. This stuff is real. Uh, and when I experienced it, uh, I think that the secret society that I was a part of, the the Sigma Phi Society, which again is the oldest uh, surviving Greek organization in the history of America. Uh, many of our early members, some of whom are Elihu Root, the founder of, of the Department of War, Earl Warren of the Warren Commission Report, uh, of, hmm. of Warren Commission Report fame, uh, some of these people certainly uh, were, were uh, leveraged their position in the society to, to higher levels of, of fame and fortune and, and notoriety, quite frankly. But uh, mm-hmm. our, our, this society that, that I speak of is also a part of, I guess, the, the dumbing down of America. So even sure. they have forgot even they have forgotten their true lineage. So when I dug this stuff up in books, uh, that that again were in how the dare you group. read books? I know, right? Well, and that's that's the horrible thing about it. This is and it truly shows the the lack of appreciation for books in a Fahrenheit forty one esque sense. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, in this secret society with this secret room, uh, we have kept literature for for over one hundred and fifty years. And they, uh, I guess the, the actives of the society cared so little about it that when a flood happened in the basement, uh, I was the only one there bailing water, uh, trying to save a lot of these, a lot of these old, uh, old documents essentially, mm-hmm. um, from, from, from the elements. Um, but getting back to my, my overarching point, when I took this information, uh, to, to people within the society and I said, Hey, you should look at this. Because Sigma Phi is is not what you think it is, and it has it has a history uh, that hasn't necessarily been written the way that you you thought it was. Um, so in that sense, I think that I've experienced personally uh, a, a much, um, I guess, more more open uh, view to these kind of opinions, simply because. Uh, I, I've, I'm all, my, most of my close friends are people who are involved in, in, in secrecy on a daily basis. So they, mm-hmm. they can certainly believe that this kind of stuff took place in the past. And the more evidence that I show them, obviously, the more uh, inclined people are to believe this stuff. You know, obviously, you meet resistance with, with, everyone, with everyone you talk to. But even, I, I think that you could agree with this, even within the past three years, it's, it's, it's far, you, you can talk about this stuff in public with people. Uh, whereas before you you might have been uh, completely derided and written off. No, what's really interesting to me is that um, you know through all through all my studying and 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 trying to understand how the elite operate, what w- what was the game plan for them? I try to think about the twenty year increment because that's that's basically how they think. They anything outside of that, it's going to be too fast for the population. The population will will grasp it, they'll understand it, and they'll catch on. You know, 20 years seems like they're, you know, buffer zone to where they can kind of slowly roll things out like you're seeing now with, oh yeah, don't worry, we're all going to be, you know, machines in 2020, you know, 2045. Don't worry, everything's going to be fine. They're just beginning the narrative now. And so when I when I started looking and studying stuff and and began to, you know, explain to people what was going to happen in the Middle East and 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 understanding that 
that what you know Muammar Gaddafi did, you don't do that and get away with it. You don't go try – when I saw that he was trying to trade oil in euros or gold, I was like, this is not going to end well for him. And I told people about that. I'm like, you watch. Gaddafi is going to be – removed from power within five years because he was talking about trading money or trading gold in, or oil in something other than the U.S. dollar, and that's a big no-no. And well, so it yeah. happened, and then you have people that will come now and will ask you questions like, how did you know that? And then you have to say, okay, anything that you thought that you knew, we have to put that on hold for a little bit, and you have to come with me for a ride, okay? We're going to go on a ride, and if you like the ride, <laughs> you know, go go check it out some more. But if you don't like the ride and you don't believe it, the next time the next bump in the ride comes, you're going to come ask me the same question. I'm going to point you to the same response. Now, go ahead. Well, well, I don't, I don't think anyone likes the ride when they find out that they're on it. Uh, it's a very scary experience to find mm-hmm. out that that that, that first the, drop the world... is a mother. You know what I mean? That first dip that you take that will make your stomach sink and it'll make you lay in bed for about you know two or three nights looking up at the ceiling, going, "What the heck just happened?" Absolutely. I thought I had all I mean, this stuff figured out. I thought I had it all figured out. Exactly. And I, I was I guess I was lucky enough, I, I say this in uh in retrospect, to to be to have been a cocky bastard at the time when I found this out. I thought I had the world all figured out. And when you find out that you know absolutely nothing and that life is r- truly a progress of of uh, of of a constant learning and, and you it's never complete. Uh, you mm-hmm. know that that's that 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 became liberating for me, but but I was so arrogant at the time that I found out this information, uh, thinking mm-hmm. that I had every everything figured out that when, that when that first drop came, I, I got angry, uh, and, yep. and that anger Most I guess fueled. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very common common symptom. Uh, you know, that's uh, not Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What is that? The the five stages of coping: uh, yep. anger, grief, dep- depression, bargaining, and acceptance. Uh, yeah, the the anger phase hit me like a brick, uh, and but that gave way to 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 learning on a on a massive scale, which is which which again is is very liberating. And it just depends on how you react to that kind of situation, you know. And I think that I took the same avenue that you took, and and it was funny. My my friend that I hung out with this weekend said the same kind of thing. He said that you know when I used to hang out with you before, you know before I watched. Um, before I watched Zeitgeist, and that's what really kind of got me, you know, thinking about life a little bit differently. And you know, if, if the way that my money can be produced is was a lie to me, or wasn't a lie, I just never really sat and comprehended, you know, what that means. You know, what it means to have a private bank loaning your money or your government money at interest, and then and then going back and then, you know, cross-referencing that with what Reagan said that. You know, your taxes don't pay anything on the debt. It just goes to pay the interest on the debt. It's like, oh, my God, we're on a runaway train here. And then you start thinking about where where else you could have been wrong, and that's when you just basically – I immerse myself into a multitude of documents, books, videos, anything that I could get my hand on to fill that void of, you know, all of my questions that I had about – well, if this can be a fraud and this can be a fraud, what else is a fraud? Oh my God, the medical industry is a fraud. Oh my God, that's the biggest fraud out there. And and then it just, like you said, it just it snowballs. And I, like I said, my first reaction, just like yours, was I was angry. Yeah, then, it truly, it ahead. truly does. 
Yeah, sorry. It truly does start to compound. And I think it's really interesting that you mentioned Ronald Reagan because he said, again, he said a lot of very uplifting, interesting things when he ran for president the first time. Uh, and mm-hmm. then he gets he gets shot at by a close friend of the uh, of the Bush family. And mm-hmm. uh, and his and his tone suddenly changes, mm-hmm. and all of this rhetoric that that he uh, was supposedly going to enact uh, really really never came to pass, uh, mm-hmm. which I think it which I think is sad because the Reagan administration ultimately you, I mean again as you know you you've inter- interviewed Freeway Ricky Ross became uh, became part of that debt based empire. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, the Volcker years were a, were a bit more monetarily sound than the Greenspan mm-hmm. years, but but it's still sure. a fraud at the end of the day. But right. but I really think. Uh, and th- again, since we're going down the rabbit hole, uh, going back to this document that both of us, uh, you read earlier today, I, I, uh, I'm not I done with to- it yet, but I mean, I'm just honest with you. I'm not done with it. But like you said, everything that, that I'm reading in here is just, you know, confirmed in triplicate from other things that I've read, you know, how they, how they look at you as an energy source. They don't look at you as anything other than that. And if, and they have mathematical you know, equations sure. for for exactly how you work as an energy source, right? You okay, know? so just so just break it down briefly for the people, and then, ladies and gentlemen, I will post this to the uh, to the website um, under the decoding propaganda. That sounds like a good place to put this. So I'll um, I'll put this PDF under decoding propaganda. It is not the only PDF that you need to read by any means, but it is a um, it does lay the ground groundwork for for the system that you're in. And in order to understand how to beat the system and to change the system, we have to understand how the system works. So, Josh, go ahead, briefly give us a breakdown of of what this entails and and how the elite look at um, look at I guess us, the bottom feeders. Yeah, well, the document that you're referring to is called uh, "Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars," I believe, or "Quiet mm-hmm. Weapons for Silent Wars." One of the no, two. you were correct. Uh, you were correct the first time. <laughs> Supposedly authored in in 1979, uh, and it examines a history of of uh, essentially technocracy beginning in the early 1950s up to that point. It was recovered supposedly again by someone in 1986 uh, when they purchased a uh, a Xerox machine at mm-hmm. a military yep. surplus auction. First, mm-hmm. uh, really started to make the the rounds in the public eye. Uh, when when Bill Cooper first published it in um, in his book Behold a Pale Horse in 1991, uh, mm-hmm. so so I I don't know if if people want to flesh out the grammar, logic, and rhetoric on who is Bill Cooper and uh, and some of the some of the claims that he made being uh, obviously completely inaccurate. Uh, so people people need to read this document with a questioning eye. I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure if it is a legitimate government document. Uh, but it is certainly a document either A, written by someone with an extreme left brain imbalance, or mm-hmm. B, written by someone who had an intimate understanding of what these people were doing and sort of played an O'Brien to make a 1984 reference and uh, and, and wrote a Goldstein's book uh, for the right. masses, essentially posing as a government document to let people know what was going on. So either way, it's a fascinating read, and it truly does let you know how these people think of you. Again, as an energy, as a unit of energy, they break down very early in the document uh, the forms of, of kinetic energy and, and potential energy and how those are applied to the digital realm um, mm-hmm. and, and how propaganda and, and journalism is managed. It even goes into the, to the nature of the two-party paradigm and how that, that's a ruse. But I think ultimately uh, what what it's about is not only the, the depopulation agenda uh, playing a large role using aerosol-based uh, additives to, to the air, uh, putting poisons in our water to, to make us docile 
and 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 more complacent with a shortened lifespan. Uh, but it, it goes into this to this grander theme, I guess, of transhumanism, uh, mm-hmm. which is the belief that certain segments of humanity can fuse with machines and become immortal. And this stuff sounds crazy, and it is mm-hmm. crazy uh, because you know, I mean, who want, who out there wants to lose their humanity? Who out who out there wants to wants to lose uh, you know the 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 flesh and blood that that makes them of this of this earth and and of everything around them? Um, but there is a segment of the population, psychopathic in nature. These people have a lot of money and a lot of power, and they believe this stuff. So, you know, take take it with a grain of salt, obviously, but mm-hmm. but educate yourself. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's something that I've said on this show numerous times. It's like, look, I don't say this stuff. This is not me saying it. This is what... The documents that I have read, once again, not to be Alex Jones, I have the documents, but of the documentation I've read, this is how they see it. And it's, you know, on one end, like you said, it is, um, they're psychopathic, but on the on the other end, the social engineers, the Brzezinski's and, and, and people like that, they are so tactical at how they look at the world and they look at... And, and look at um, geographic regions. They look at uh, subcultures of those regions, and they just they have a very good in-depth knowledge of how humanity works. And then they can take that knowledge, use it to manipulate you. And then that's what this whole document is about: how they manipulate you from the economic standpoint, how they manipulate you from the propaganda standpoint, and how they keep you like. Like Josh said, in this basically this little box that you cannot get out of because you've been conditioned, once again through your government schooling and 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 everything, you've been conditioned to not question authority. That is the number one thing that I, when I look back at my life, the number one thing that I got out of school was the overwhelming, I guess, um, overall overarching theme of don't question authority. And your perceived authority is the teacher in the instance when you're in the in the um in the classroom and then it's the the principal and then the hierarchy there. So now when America gets out of their classical conditioning through their public education, they look at government. Somebody has to fill that role. Am I right, Josh? Somebody has to fill the role of the of the authority figure and it typically gets filled with government or government or agents of the state like a police force well i really think more aptly to 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 tie this kind of all together uh we're Mm -hmm. dealing with a global elite who are polymaths these people are good at a a wide multitude of subjects as is uh seen in documents like uh silent weapons for quiet wars um Mm -hmm. so we're dealing with people who are very good at a lot of things and can implement that uh, those those means to to uh, to kind of unsavory ends. And if these people were 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 more uh, essentially hadn't lost their humanity or, or or had discovered it at all to begin with, you know, mm-hmm. these people could potentially be some some of the greatest members of society the world has ever known. But instead, they choose to play tricks on other people. Uh, they choose to play us against one another and profit from from that engagement. So when you say uh, government stepping in, while I certainly agree with that, I, I think it's more these people sit atop the arch which connects the two pillars. To get a little bit esoteric on us, no, 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 I understand. And- I understand that. But when when the population gets out of the government schooling and gets conditioned to watching the teacher and watching the principal, and those are the authority figures, 
You know, when you get out of government, I, or when you get out of the government training facilities, you look for somebody to fill that void, especially if you're just high, high school educated. There typically is an authority figure, whether it's the – that's why I say that the plan is so beautiful. They – they get you, you know, perpetually bowing to authority so that you'll never question why is the authority there in the first place. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, I guess the, the, the point that I, I'd like to make uh, in, in, in terms of specif- uh, specificity would be mm-hmm. that uh, the people that are controlling the education system and the media mm-hmm. hierarchy, the people mm-hmm. that, that are making your deference to authority uh, a, a possibility at this point, uh, they are using government as a tool. They're using the monopolization yep. of force, which government represents legally, at least, or, or not lawfully, but legally again. Uh, and mm-hmm. behind these people, especially in terms of, of, of uh, well, in terms of really everything, the war economy, uh, the the nature of of, uh, of medicine, certainly, but but in this instance public education and privatized education uh, in terms of in terms of the un- some of the university systems we see uh, this leverage system where the Carnegie Endowment the mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, Rockefeller or the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace the Rockefeller yeah. Foundation uh, the Bill mm-hmm. and Melinda Gates Foundation come in fund these large grants fund movements that that uh, standardized curriculum at the public education level and then mm-hmm. feed that into into the larger university uh, model where essentially they make servants of the system that are paid in various pay grades. Uh, the ones that serve the elite most closely, obviously the doctors and lawyers of society get paid a little bit more than everyone else because mm-hmm. they've, again, paid into that system a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, when you pull back those final curtains, you find this same cadre of elite insiders and bankers pulling strings, using things like government, using things like corporations as tools. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but it's important for us to get behind those and and see the faces of the of the of these individuals because they do exist although they keep themselves very well hidden. Yeah, and it's funny the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation wrote the Common Core curriculum, so there you go. And it's well, you know, it, and never mind. Ne- yeah, go you ahead. Know, never mind that that Bill Gates was a, was a flunky high school student who managed to stumble into Harvard. I believe his mother was uh, an NSA codebreaker, and his father had some connection to the intelligent uh, the intelligentsia of America at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so the history of 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 not hey, wasn't only his the, dad um, part of Planned Parenthood? Wasn't that it? That Did was his it. dad? That was it. Okay. Yeah. Once again, yeah, his, how dare you be informed? Uh, uh, yeah, and, and again. <laughs> Planned Parenthood, uh, an integral part of the eugenics uh, movement. If you go back in time and you look up the history of Planned Parenthood, its history before Planned Parenthood, when it was known as the Organization of Family Planning, uh, people mm-hmm. like Margaret Sanger being involved with that, you know, Margaret Sanger being uh, an honorary member of the Ku Klux Klan, obviously because <laughs> women could not be admitted to the Klan at the time, but they were nice enough to let her come and speak at some of their rallies mm-hmm. about how how dangerous the black man was. Um, but but yeah, you get back to this same core of 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 people who want a technotronic future, a technocratic future, a transhumanist future, where mm. they again fuse with machines. Uh, again, no no doubt that that Bill Gates, who is who is now funding some of these major medical and educational foundations and and supposed charities, uh, and and happens to be the founder of one of the largest software corporations on the face of the planet. You know, these mm-hmm. things are not coincidence that these people that these aren't benevolent individuals who who decide that they are bored with their money and want to help other people 
there is always an agenda a- afoot, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I would behoove people to, to look into why the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does what it does and how that ties back into what they've always done, and that's software. Uh, it's it's so frustrating sometimes that that when you when you go and you you have a show like this where you get a little bit down the rabbit hole it's it's kind of like I'm sitting there and I know that everything that you're saying is confirmed and I know this because I've seen it from my own eyes and I've read it for myself but it just sounds so crazy it's just like how how does how does and and I think the overarching theme that that most people run into is that if something like this was going on, I would know about it. No. Oh, I would have heard about it. Yeah, yeah I would have heard talked. about it. Somebody would have talked. People did talk. That, they're they're dead now. Exactly. Well, not even. <laughs> I mean, a, hey, a good deal of them are dead. Breitbart had a Breitbart had a heart attack after two glasses of wine. Just had a quote heart attack. Yeah, because whatever. And then you know, there's a lot of suspicious things that have happened, Josh. Even the the last three years with people that talk about. How they have big information. It's like I've got information that's going to bring down the CIA, and oops, my car runs into a tree and blows up. I've got information that's going to bring down Obama. Oops, I had a heart attack walking home from a bar after two glasses of wine. I mean, coincidences of that magnitude do not happen. Now, does that yeah, well, make me a conspiracy theorist for saying that? I guess so, but. You know, once again, I am of the belief that rich and powerful people want to do rich and powerful things. And killing yeah, well, people is right up there with it and not getting caught. That is right up at the top of the list. It's sport to them. You know, it truly is. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, what are we like, you know. Well, what are we, elk? We're, we're just out in the field and they're just like, yeah, we'll get that one. We'll get, you know, just pick him off. Whatever. Well, that's. That's what's so frustrating is that uh, I, I forget. Is it the most dangerous game uh, where uh, uh, a professional hunter? It's a, it's a famous short story where a professional hunter essentially gets bored with big game and decides to hunt a human because it's the only thing that would fight back. Uh, I truly think that this is what these people set out to do initially uh, was 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 for for a thrill. But when that thrill went on for hundreds and hundreds of years, and, and they were ultimately able to make the population as docile as they are right now, I mean, it's not fun for them anymore. Even I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine. What do you, what do you say to? I heard this. Um, that's where I got the Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars document. That, um, that I knew I've heard of it somewhere before, and I, I've read Bill Cooper's book, and I was like, oh, that, that jogged my memory in the very like preface or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I was listening to this woman talking about ELFs or, and and you know electromagnet low electromagnetic frequencies or whatever those are, and she's under the idea, ideology that perhaps Washington D.C. to some extent would be under mind control because of the amount of antenna arrays that are there and stuff like that. What would you say to something like that? I understand that government has done a lot of experiments. Project Bluebeam is the craziest experiment that I've ever read about where they said that they were going to basically project Jesus up into the clouds or space aliens, either one, and then project the audio up there to unite the culture under the one world government. So they had the two different philosophies. They were either going to have Jesus appear and that was going to you know, signify the end times and all the Christians were going to just – you know, bow down, or they were going to bring the aliens down, and that was going to unify, you know, the species so we could, you know, all get past our, quote, you know, silly little uh, sovereignty issue. But um, anyway. Yeah, 
Yeah, the the woman I think you're referring to is uh, Deborah Tavares, and her website is... Yeah, StopTheCrime.net is her website Mm -hmm. if people want to check that out. Um, And and she certainly has a lot of information to to share, uh, Mm -hmm. and and, and a lot of it is certainly very thought-provoking. But I, I guess. Now, getting, what do you make? Of, what do you make of stuff like that? I mean, I mean, obviously, I don't put it out of the realm of possibility. But then again, it's like, how many different, how many different ways can I go? You know, it's either I'm going to go down this rabbit hole or I'm going to go down this one. And that's why I like to stick to the central point of 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 central banking and how that is one of the challenges that we have to get rid of, and we have to get rid of. In America, for some reason, this fascination with the state and how the well, state will make things better. Well, I think it's deliberately made confusing, and certainly the state, as the epoch of power at this point or the epicenter of power, uh, is mm-hmm. very important. The control of money is very important, but ultimately, sure. these things are just tools for for an end. Uh, and some obviously, this end requires a lot of fear within the populace. It requires uh, catalyzing events to move this agenda forward. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that's been considered at least uh, since the 40s or 50s, actually probably even before that with the writings of H.G. Wells, uh, this idea of, of an external force coming down or, or the beginnings of revelations, which personally I believe, I don't mean to offend any Christians, I believe, that Revelations is the greatest predictive programming document ever written by man, uh, because what <laughs> what else uh, uh, to cause an apocalypse if not encoding it into a, into major religions? And when it comes to pass, uh, following these specific guidelines, have people uh, bow down because the solution is that you're going to be sucked up to heaven in a vacuum cleaner or something like that. Um, <laughs> You know, but but I think that they truly wrote off this this alien type agenda back in the fifties. We see documents mm-hmm. out of, uh, from Yale uh, mm-hmm. where where some of these people they wrote it as satire, but if you read it now, it's clearly not. Uh, these people were they 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 were clearly experimenting with with UFOs and and an alien invasion mm-hmm. as a as a, as a potential catalyzing event and a, and a threat to unify all of humanity. And when mm-hmm. they ran these tests on this kind of stuff using uh, suppressed technologies back in the fifties, uh, to which which were the result of so many alien abduction stories, um, mm-hmm. they they found a populace that was unwilling to believe them. They said this. This is a hoax. This is garbage. This is all military technology. What? What are you? What are you trying to pull the wool over our eyes here for? Uh, mm-hmm. So at the time, they found a populace that was too smart to believe it. Uh, now, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure if if a populace uh, would would be so questioning. And certainly now that technology has 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 come so far, and and the means of predictive programming have been implemented so heavily, I think mm-hmm. that that's something that they're starting to put back on the table. Because clearly, the threat that the two main threats that they've been using for the past thirty years, which are international terrorism, and uh, and and an, an environmental threat uh, catastrophe of some kind, are becoming mm-hmm. overwhelmingly rejected by the public, at least here in America. Uh, so uh, are, are they going to do that? Are they going to throw a hail mary and have uh, an Independence Day esque scenario? I don't know, man. But but it's certainly something that they've talked about a lot. Now, <clears throat> shifting gears, let's talk about this a little bit since we're going down the rabbit hole. Your thoughts on aliens? I have my thoughts. I'll share them after that. No, what do you believe? I mean, uh, it's a huge universe out there. There are more universes on top of that, in my opinion. Uh, Specifically, so, aliens visiting Earth. 
Oh, aliens visiting Earth? Uh, I think that if aliens saw Earth and uh, obviously having much more superior technology than us could look down upon Earth and see what's happening here right now, they would run as far away as possible from our planet. Uh, <laughs> they they would see a bunch of monkeys on the ground. Do they? Yeah, still throwing say, rocks. Do they see us? Like we look at the chimps, we're like, oh my god, can you believe that chimp just slapped the other one? How ridiculous! I, I I think that they would be more than that. You know, we go to the zoo and we can laugh at chimps flinging crap at each other. I think that they would look down at us and and be sad at a species with so much potential that has has squandered so much of it. Uh, but as far as aliens actually visiting Earth, I think this is predictive programming that has gone on again since the 1800s with H.G. Wells, uh, the Wells family, obviously integral an integral part of the Darwin Huxley esque uh, mm-hmm. bloodline. Uh, and 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 books like uh, For a New World Order, again written by Aldous Huxley, or not Aldous Huxley, excuse me, H.G. Wells, uh, mm-hmm. where he he has again a number of quotes. He's he's the same guy who writes all of these alien sci-fi stories. He was the progenitor of these alien sci-fi stories. So I see this nothing more as nothing more than predictive programming for for an ex- for for a potential external threat that doesn't exist. So if aliens land on on the White House lawn tomorrow, I would ask people not to believe it for a second. <laughs> and we're and we're at such a point now where I think you're 100% correct in that you know the populace is is to a point where they would like to believe in aliens because um that would I guess give us some reprieve that we're we're not alone and somebody could help us with some of these challenges well, that we face because yeah. I, I I mean that's the first thing that I would want I'd be like okay how do we get rid of psychopaths <laughs> I'm sorry but these people are well, missing empathy which is very very dangerous and isn't, not the so, same thing. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to say, isn't it so interesting that you know, like I would love for for some aliens to come out of the sky and and slap humanity around and 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 have them fix their our all of our problems. That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. But do you notice mm-hmm. how in all of all of these uh, works of fiction, those aliens never exist. It's the ones that want to come here and conquer us and rape and pillage. Those are mm-hmm. the only kinds that exist anymore, whether whether you're reading a comic book or playing a video game or watching a science mm-hmm. fiction movie. The aliens are always the bad guys, you know, coming in. Because coming I think in, there's, so. something, there's something very primal about humans wanting to fight for their own survival. I think that that, oh. you know, that lights up a part in your brain that doesn't, you know, that doesn't get stimulated. And, and I think that humans are always fascinated with that survival fight-or-flight instinct. Oh, absolutely, but I think it would behoove people to to really investigate some of these uh, some of these claims of of, of aliens again. I, I know mm-hmm. I, I can't believe I'm talking about this in a serious light, <laughs> but no, but, but it, one, no, one, it's it's fine, man. We're just like I said, we're just having fun tonight. I, I was absolutely. I was getting stressed out over all this garbage, and we needed to needed to make a culture shift. You know, one one show out of every ten, I usually do some kind of conspiracy show, so we're right on target. Keep rolling. Yeah, I mean, so, sometimes it's nice to just kind of kick back and talk about some some things that sound silly but really aren't in the eyes of other people. But I right. guess, uh, you know, ultimately this these technologies are things that, that uh, people have had for, for decades. You know, the technology that we're using right now, certainly DARPA has things that are at least 20 years more advanced. You know, the, the technologies that we're using now have been around since the mid-'90s uh, for the most part, uh, at least that that we know of. So, so th- this... This is certainly some kind of technological feat that they could hoist on humanity and, and blame on an alien invasion is certainly possible. But I think it's mm-hmm. what's really interesting is seeing uh, how how 
prevalent now this meme is in pop culture. We see stuff like ancient aliens being on the History Channel, and that's mm-hmm. when really the red flag should start going off because most of ancient aliens, if the listeners aren't aware of of the the piece of garbage that is that show, uh, you know, it's all based, bullshit. It's it's all based on the writings of one guy by the name of Zachariah Sitchin. Zachariah Sitchin is the guy who's propagated the ancient aliens theory and the ancient astronauts theory and tied it all into to ancient religion in these strange ways. And it, his work is a deliberate, either deliberate or very bad mistranslation of a lot of ancient texts to kind of mm-hmm. uh, drum up his theory. narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we see that narrative, uh, at least since the 70s, being fused with the New Age ideology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, we talked about Joe Rogan earlier. Uh, it really depressed me when Joe Rogan uh, made the Spirit Science series uh, so popular on YouTube, if people aren't familiar with that, which is, again, mm-hmm. a, a fusing of, of ancient religious theology, some of which is very true uh, mm-hmm. with this with this strange kind of... Uh, uh, ancient alien theory that really has no no basis in histor- history as we know it or, or mm-hmm. a- accuracy ar- archaeologically. Um, so when you see those things being infiltrated into pop culture, uh, that is corporations, corporate media, again, sanctioned by the government uh, based on airwave and broadcast laws, delivering mm-hmm. you propaganda, delivering you <laughs> predictive programming. So when you see these things uh, and then you see them unfold... That's not them trying to inform you. That's them trying to manipulate your opinion so if something were to ever come to pass, you might potentially be more willing to accept it than than you would have if it had just come out of the blue. Yeah, and it was it was interesting to hear he was on the ancient aliens bandwagon for a while and then he watched the um the ancient aliens debunked for I think it was like three hours, and he basically breaks apart each episode and just trashes the shit out of it, which which know, is a great work. Is, yeah, which you know some of it is when you look at it, it's like all right, that's reaching. You you got some stone drawings on the wall of a guy with a hat on. All right, that's I mean, could that be an ancient alien? Yeah, could it be a guy also trying to carve, you know, a shape out of a out of a stone and a stick? Yeah, that would probably be my guess. You know, probably not the best artwork that you can do back then with a stone and a stick. But I mean, it was. I mean, when I look at things like that, my theory on aliens is this: we only see what two percent of the visible visible spectrum, and the theory of universes within other universes and, and transdimensionalism and and things of that nature, where multiple dimensions are existing on on the same plane at the same time, you just can't see them. I think that absolutely there's aliens out there. The the fact that, like you said, the, the propaganda that goes behind them is something that I would I would question. Because like Bill Cooper, he believed in aliens and everything too, and then he found out it was basically just military testing and stuff like that, which is what you know, did, who came out and declassified that this year? Was that the FBI or who? I don't know what government agencies are over this, but they declassified that Area 51 was just basically a place to test, you know, secret and secret government aircraft. Who was that that did that? I can't remember. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. That did happen, I, I think, earlier this year, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it, but you, at some point, you you have to, like I said, you have to understand which which conspiracy you, I guess, you would follow and, and research, and and which, you know, if if it was true, if it, I mean, 
if we were, I guess, run by eight reptilians from a different, you know, dimension, what, how much difference would it make knowing, and how much difference would it make not knowing? To me, it's not going to make a, a whole ton of difference because how am I going to spot the reptilian? All of this other questioning that would have to go into play. So just work on things that I guess that that you can control, and you can get other people to at least. You know, challenge narratives in certain, and then let them, you know, in certain arenas, and then let them have their their own awakening, like you and I were talking about before. Let them go down whatever rabbit hole they want to go down, but you know, well, it, it's basically think, up to them. But just get them pointed in the right direction of questioning the official narrative of anything. Anything, anytime I, something's official, like Assad's got chemical weapons, I'd be like, hold on, says who? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, obviously now, now I guess it's Iran that's got the chemical weapons. We're shifting narrative that quickly. But uh, I, I mean, I, I can Lindsey Graham just not wait to get to Iran? He's like, Syria's right next to Iran. They they got to be hit. We we got to deal with them. It's unbelievable. Oh it's unbelievable. Yeah, the, the, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted the, you, but that guy just fires me up. He's absolutely bonkers. South Carolina, oh, get off your asses and vote. Get that joker out of there. Good gosh, yeah. making us all look bad. Oh, he's he's he is literally an insane toddler, uh, I think, and in, in an old man's body. Uh, is you know, how it's I funny. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the old um it's kind of like the old Teddy Roosevelt reference. Now, keep in mind, the president is six. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they used to say about it. All right, keep in mind, the president is about age six. He's going to want to go ride horses and go shoot guns and stuff like that. That's just him. So just keep in mind that Lindsey Graham's about six, everybody, and just giving Southerners a bad name all over the place. I can't even have my draw anymore because of you, Lindsey, and I don't like it. All right, go ahead. <laughs> no, but but getting back to what you were saying earlier about people being enticed to go down the rabbit hole and kind of investigate these things on a deeper level, I certainly think it's great for people to do that. But I would more aptly describe the rabbit hole as a minefield. Uh, and I think if you get down so far, there are certain paths that lead to nothing but disinformation and garbage, quite frankly. Yep, the Illuminati, so I, I, period. The I, Illuminati, period. Once you get to a certain point of understanding the, the architecture and everything, don't try to figure out who's who. Just forget about it. You're not going to know. Don't even waste your time. It's just going to forget it. All right, go ahead. <laughs> but But I really think it's important for people to look at what – uh, key bono, right? Who benefits? So mm-hmm. if there's a theory out there, if they, again, I don't mean to disparage David Icke's work too much because I think he's done a lot of good work. Uh, oh, but absolutely. At the, end of the day, at the end of the day, though, he goes back to this theory about uh, ancient lizards from Mars coming to Earth and taking over Lymeria and the, what is it, Nibiru, the planet mm-hmm. X, is coming to Which Earth is and is going me to destroy because I'm all hearing of more Because I'm hearing more and more credible people propagate that narrative, and it creeps me out. And it's like, okay, you know, once again, not one of the people that's not going to question something, but that seems like some really, really out there bullshit that there's a planet that we haven't heard about. So anyway, go ahead. Well, I think whether whether it's people like David Icke, who have, again, a lot of products to sell you, or it's someone like Ed Dames, uh, who propagates this, have you heard of the, the solar flare kill shot? 
uh, I don't know if you, you you're familiar with uh, Project Stargate uh, from mm-hmm. Army Intelligence. Uh, the Cohen brothers actually made a book about it or a movie about it called Men Who Stare at Goats. Uh, Major General Albert Stubblebine was one of the one of the major propagators of the theory. Do they really just pull people like this? I mean, the the names that come out in all these secret government contracts and and these experiments and like Smedley Butler. I mean, really, a guy's name Smedley for real in this giant <laughs> yeah. conspiracy about the Nazis. All right, go ahead. Well, ba- barring uh, Major General Albert Stubblebine's silly name, uh, he was. <laughs> Again, supposedly worked with with a guy by the name of uh, another major, Ed Dames, who is now out propagating this theory that uh, the world will be engulfed in a solar flare. Uh, all of life as we know it and modern life as we know it will come to an end. And right after that, aliens will invade planet Earth and planet X will come and all this other, uh, you know, crazy sci-fi mumbo jumbo. And I think what's really interesting is that when you get to the heart of what uh, uh, Project Stargate really was, is that mm-hmm. you actually had legitimate forces in the United States Army being affected by ELF weapons from the Soviet Union, which, again, ELF weapons, uh, if people want to investigate this Navy Yard shooting that just happened and, mm-hmm. uh, and the ability of ELF weapons to, uh, to infiltrate people's minds uh, very covertly and, and pro- project them messages, uh, this stuff Jesse is Ventura real. did Jesse Ventura do a conspiracy theory on that also? I, I actually have uh, I've seen one episode of Conspiracy Theory, I think that he did do an episode on that, and if I find it, I'll actually post it with the yeah. I would post it with the show notes of this. But the people on there were pretty convincing, and the the most convincing thing. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh well, I I think it's it's what people need to understand is percussive uh, weapons, sound weapons, uh, Mm -hmm. the uh, ambient wave technology, ELF weapons, uh, the ability to to essentially uh, manipulate the mind to to into thinking it has schizophrenia by playing voices into it is certainly possible. This technology has existed since at least the 70s. The Soviet Union and the United States used it against one another for many, many years. It's a very real technology. So based on the fact that these technologies are are real and we can know about them based on uh, not declassified CIA documents, but leaked CIA Army Intelligence, Office of Naval Intelligence documents, uh, mm-hmm. The likes of which can be found at cryptome.org or publicintelligence.net if people mm-hmm. are interested in, in, in finding some of those documents. There, there's, a, there's a very real program of psychological warfare using crazy technology that sounds like sci-fi but actually exists on this planet. So when you mm-hmm. have a propaganda film like uh, Men Who Stare at Goats that comes out and kind of makes fun of it, or you have someone like Ed Dames, who comes out and talks about the ability for people to uh, remote view the future, and in the future he sees solar flares and aliens. Again, I'm not saying that any of that stuff isn't possible, because it certainly is. It's a big universe. Solar flares mm-hmm. happen all the time. We had, we had one just this past year, that if it would have hit Earth, it, it probably would have dismantled half of our technology. It would have been a, it would have well, been a huge snap. Well, that would have been fun for about three years. Good luck, everybody. You're telling me, but but at the end of the day, when when we see these these kind of uh, more silly sci-fi esque uh, agendas coming in uh, from from semi credible or pseudo credible sources like like people who are ex army officials, uh, I think you really need to take those with a grain of salt uh, because at the end of the day, uh, person from a personal standpoint, I see them as nothing more than predictive programming for some kind of event that they may or may not pull uh, over the masses uh, within the next five to ten years. 
It just gets really crazy. Like you said, reality's so crazy. It's like, hey, guess what? They've got um, they got sound cannons that they can aim at you and basically make you not speak anymore. You like, can buy no. those now. Yeah. You and I can buy those now from police no, surplus. No, they don't exist. The, the government would tell me <laughs> if they existed. They well, just I, I guess that that's what's so outlandish about it is that these the, some of these technologies that people don't believe exist, uh, like like acoustic or percussion based weapons, uh, you know, again are now available on the consumer market. So if they're selling it to you, imagine They've had what it for a long time. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like so, it's kind of like that spaceship. Did you um the uh, the new space shuttle or whatever that they launched? I think it was back in. Let's see if memory serves correct. It was either November of 2011 or November of 2010. They they launched a a um a new um new space shuttle that was supposed to be able to go like. 3,000 miles an hour and go from New York to Japan in like 25 minutes or something like that. Something ridiculous. And oh, yes. and and NASA did a test flight of it, and then they're like, oh, we lost it two minutes after it, um, after it was launched. We don't know what happened to it. And it was like a minor footnote at the end of the article. It's like 15 <laughs> minutes after it takes off, it's gone. Like, huh, you well, guys didn't go uh, looking for it or no? And then you you show people the article like look man they've got they've got they're working on technology where it's like 3000 miles an hour basically you can go from you can go from New York City to Los Angeles in about 45 minutes good luck and then the plane just magically disappears and nobody goes and investigates it was just bonkers well i i think that you know certainly i i don't want to say that, that I gotta NASA look it up is now. Yeah, please do. But uh, <laughs> if I if I'm if I'm correct in in the way these these flights uh, were supposed to work is that they would essentially go uh, almost it would be a parabolic flight and uh, it would be a rapid escalation and then a descent and it would use uh, the Earth's rotation to to get people from point A to point B very quickly. Uh, so if if this plane or if this if this shuttle were to hypothetically uh, because it does the way these parabolic flights work, depending on the distance from Earth, uh, they do broach a point at which they would potentially be out of uh, uh, or within the outer realms of Earth's gravitational pull. So they could te- potentially uh, go into orbit. So if if that if that shuttle is is floating around somewhere in the atmosphere or not the atmosphere, but within Earth's gravitational pull and rotating around the planet, that wouldn't surprise me too much. But if it were outright lost. Then I think mm-hmm. that's uh, that that's curious indeed because certainly uh, again N- NASA is a weird subject for me because it's something again I'm big on being able to verify facts as uh, as true or not so when you mm-hmm. get into this realm it's very hard to do that and I think that there's a lot of evidence to suggest uh, that things like the moon landing didn't happen as as we were projected uh, I think a lot of the theories that people have about Stanley Kubrick's work uh, specifically The Shining uh, mm-hmm. being being his attempt uh as as an insider to to warn people about these kind of things uh him selecting the release date of eyes wide shut uh, in the contract stipulated that it had to be exactly 30 years to the day of the first uh or, or of the apollo missions uh, i think that all these things kind of form this strange nexus where uh where again the line between fact and, fact and fiction gets gets blurred but uh, at the end of the at the end of the day, two guys like us who we've got a, a keyboard and a computer in front of us. We got a lot of old mm-hmm. books uh, in our libraries. We can dig through this stuff 
um, but we'll never be able to verify any of it. So I, I tend to stick with, I guess, what, what I can verify uh, mm-hmm. solely solely so when I engage people in public, you know, I can I can I can give them legitimate sources for this kind of stuff as opposed to telling them about the Planet X Nibiru kill shot that was prophesied by uh, someone who tapped into the fourth dimension and, and read the future, you know? By the way, um, there's a private bank that lends your government money and interest, and they'd be like, yeah, what? Well, that's it. You're, you're exactly. insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well it, 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 it's just so nuts because you, it's like you said, you know, when people, even th- those very basic facts, like uh, September the 11th being, uh, being a cover for major financial fraud, or, uh, mm-hmm. or or the or the the Federal Reserve not being federal or a reserve, people scoff mm-hmm. at that. But once you get them to accept that, uh, if 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 they go down the rabbit hole again properly, uh, using critical thinking and navigating some of these landmines like Nibiru, Planet X, the ancient Illuminati. alien Martians, you know <laughs> all. Well, I don't know about that, I, but no, but, no, no. I mean, we both have our theories on that. It's just that in and of itself is like a three-month minefield, and you're going to find a well, lot I, more landmines than you're going to find paths to to Valhalla, as as well, they say. Yeah, and it, it's become such a trope uh, in society today, right? You know, people yep. say the Illuminati as representing what I would call more the the, at least in modern terms, what was the the remnants of the Rhodes Roundtable. And these mm-hmm. people that have leveraged their power, at least since the late 1800s, early 1900s, from mm-hmm. historical organizations like the Illuminati and certainly using uh, very similar esoteric agendas and, and a very similar rings-within-rings-based structure. But mm-hmm. but I think what's important is that if you can get people to accept some of these very basic premises, then it's mm-hmm. not too far to get them to accept uh, things like transhumanism. Uh, accepting the fact that this technology that you are being uh, showered with nowadays is not necessarily for your entertainment or your educational edification. It's to Correct. track you, it's to collect data on you, it's to fuse the consciousness of mankind with machines, literally yep. taking the soul out of the equation. And and you know mm-hmm. me, I'm not a I'm not a traditionally religious guy. I I rejected monotheistic Christianity at a very young age. I think it's all hoopla, and I think people, again, I don't mean to offend, but I think people who hold more traditional religious values need to start questioning the history of, of, of their religion just as much as they question the history of their government. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that spiritual warfare is certainly uh, a part of this agenda. Uh, it's certainly a part of this agenda, and as someone who used to consider himself a staunch atheist, I, I can accept that I guess spiritualism is very important not only to these people but to the population at large, and uh, the ability to discern this, these kind of facts is is going to be important going forward. So, I guess we got uh, we got like five minutes left, and this is this has always been it's one, one of the like things that I well, I mean, it's just one of the things that I enjoy doing. It's just um, you know having a conversation going you know going I guess a, a couple of levels too far for. For public consumption, but at least you know, at least expunging what I know to 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 everybody and my feelings and thoughts behind certain things, and you know, helping them with maybe their struggles. Maybe they're struggling with maybe they're struggling with monotheistic religion. Maybe they're stu- struggling with you know trying to understand how the world works, and we're giving them clues and 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 ways to. I guess broaden their knowledge base and and ask more uh, more pointed questions and and drill down a little bit deeper and so absolutely 
shifting back I, to shifting back to modern society briefly, and and let's talk about this. People need to be aware of private prison systems, how the government is working in conjunction with corporations. In order to make your life, literally what we talked about before and the the quotes that you said from the teacher, literally making your life a a prison no matter where you go and a prison run by corporations, which is what, if you want to put a label on it, the New World Order or whatever you want to call it, it is a corporate-based system that basically inputs you into into the giant corporation and then depending on which subgroup of the corporation you fall under, that's where you'll get your job, your work, your money, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Is that is that pretty on point, Josh? Is that what you would would suggest or do you have a different oh. theory there? No, absolutely. And from a very young age, I would note, and for very different uh di- very different it's implemented very differently in different communities based on class stratification, right? So in, well, in places what, like that's what uh, Kissinger said, the new world order means different people there are different things to different people in different parts of the world, right? Exactly. So so if you're a, if you're a black kid growing up in Harlem right now and your project room looks almost identical to the jail cell you'll probably end up in one day and you go to elementary school and there's a body scanner and a and an armed policeman at the front of your school, it's deliberately preparing you for a prison mentality. Uh it'll be retirement to you, you know, to quote a mortal technique. Uh, so, so I, yeah, certainly this this kind of class stratification, the, this prison industrial complex is something that we're prepared for through the educational system. And, and whether it's the educational system or religion or ancient aliens, obviously I'm not asking anyone out there to share my beliefs. Uh, it would be a very boring world if everyone shared my beliefs or your beliefs right. or anyone else's beliefs. I'm mm-hmm. just asking you, and I'm sure you're asking people as well, whether it's the education system or, uh, or the Federal Reserve, private banking empire, it, it's just it, it would behoove individuals to educate themselves about these things because at, at the end of the day, even if it's something you don't agree with, uh, education can't hurt you. More knowledge can't hurt you. It can only make you smarter. Absolutely, and it can only make you eliminate some of the things that might be in your way of really getting true knowledge and you and I have talked about this before. There's a difference between information and knowledge. Information are the data points that you need in order to connect all the data points together that would create knowledge. And I would say that I am a fairly knowledgeable person. I don't sit here and, and tout that I know everything. But what I've learned over the past five years, and this goes back to the story I was telling before, about my friend after engaging with me and, and being my buddy, before I stumbled onto this information and then after, he talked about watching my maturation as a person and seeing how much more knowledge I started gaining throughout those years and just how I've changed as a person. Like The one thing that I know that really does put a damper on the system is not fearing the system and loving everyone. And I know that sounds like hippie bullshit, but at the end of the day, everybody, the system perpetuates on fear. The exact no, opposite of no, the exact opposite of fear is love in the frequency realm. There are only two frequencies. There's love and there's fear, and they are two very different, distinct frequencies. And and I say, as you counteract the system, and as you learn through the system, and understand what the system's there for, that's why love is so powerful because it it basically offsets the fear that they're trying to instill into the population. Josh, your thoughts. 
I guess what what a wonderful note to end on because at the end of the day, these people don't know how to respond to love and human empathy. Uh, we're talking about a system whose only methodology of controlling people is through violence and coercion. Uh, so when you throw a monkey wrench into the gears of the system, like compassion for your fellow man, like reasoned understanding of history, uh, and sharing it with people non-confrontationally, they don't know how to deal with that except with violence. So when they wrought violence on a population that, that truly has awakened uh, to, to the love that we should feel for, for all of our fellow human beings, uh, then, then that's when the, this Ponzi scheme truly uh, comes to an end. And that's it for the show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. You definitely did come out on the other side of the rabbit hole. See, I told you, if you trust us, we'll get you out of there. <laughs> Nobody is going to get harmed in this process. But once again, educate yourself. Form some free thoughts on your own. Enjoy life. Love everyone. And once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved, people. And let's beat these jokers. You deserve your freedom. freedom. Yeah, it's in the feeling that you deserve.